Back when we were at school, and maybe you were too, we wasted away many, many hours finding and playing obscure and, and not so obscure web and browser-based games. And they've largely died a death since. Probably Farmville ruined it for everyone. Um, but they're an important part of video gaming history and have shaped many of the games that we play today. So in this episode of Octal FM, we take a trip down memory lane and look at web-based games through the ages. Hello and welcome to another episode of Optal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Saffron. And today we're taking a trip, as we often do, down mm. memory lane, looking at quite a niche I guess, section of obviously video game history, but also kind of like internet it's history not video as well. Game. Yeah, yeah, it's more like internet, a, I would say. Yeah. Like a real mixture of like cultural internet culture history mm. look back. And can you remember why this came up? Like why we wrote this down as something that we wanted to talk you know, about? No, I genuinely don't. I think maybe we were like reminiscing about one of the games on this list. Right. They were like, we could talk about this on the show. And they're like, yeah. we could talk about all of these games on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, we're going to talk about web-based games or like browser-based games mm. through the ages and if you were not a child of the earlier internets and earlier web browsers then this is quite i think that it's fairly niche i mean maybe yeah. i'm wrong but i feel like it's probably fairly niche now i would say like any kind of person sort of born like 98 onwards maybe 2000 onwards probably won't really appreciate these because by that point i think by the time you're using the internet maybe like five or six years old you're already getting like dedicated like inbuilt games within browsers yeah. like you know things like chrome and firefox were like a lot more advanced right. now than they were then and right but so we're talking were... pre-firefox right this oh is... yeah yeah <laughs> We're talking pre-everything, but I mean, there was like no Netscape. Definitely no Chrome. Yeah, we're talking days of Internet Explorer and Netscape. And that's that's where we're at. Maybe Opera? Yeah, maybe a little bit of Opera by now. And yeah, we're going to talk through sort of the different types of browser-based and sort of web-based games, where they came from, go through a little bit of sort of like how they worked and how they were made, and also kind of like tr draw a line from mm. these historical artifacts like us to, um, <laughs> you know, modern day, mm. you know, what, where are we at now? In some cases, sort of like, it's really interesting because a lot of the people that made some of the games that we're going to talk about were not much older than we were playing them at school. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. And now a lot, you know, some of them are now you know leaders in the video game industry or they've, mm. they've like made other games made lots of indie games and things like that um and so yeah it'll be interesting to sort of talk through because in a lot of ways some of these games were very much like the indie games of their day so like mm. if you go back say 20 years there was no such thing as indie gaming no that was easily accessible like you might be able to go to like a computer fair right and maybe like pick up someone's like you know game that they've made for like a pc and that's it but other than that, sharing of games was just not really yeah. possible as a result of the limitations of, of the internet at the point. Yeah. So a lot of like the more aspirational developers who would then now be 
kind of known as indie developers for like, you know, Xbox Live and Steam and all the rest of it, would kind of turn to web-based games because it was the easiest way of creating something and getting mm. it out to people. Yeah. Even if it wasn't to make any money necessarily. Agreed. Because this was also at a time where the tooling available to you as someone who wanted to make a video game wasn't really there. Like you didn't have like now you've got like Unity and um, Game Maker Studio. Game Maker Studio and um, oh, I guess Unreal. Sorry, you've got that Unreal engine as Mm. well, right? So you've got all of these like really big engines, some of which are available for free or very low cost. Yeah. But, But back, you know, go back a while and the tools available to just sort of anyone to Mm. make a video game were basically none there was yeah there was a lot less available for making like sort of proper games obviously it was also harder to release them because Mm. you only had you know publishers that were doing you know boxed copies of games Mm. there was no steam you know all of that kind of stuff and so no digital distribution in fairness that sort of uh, that may be another episode but that sort of the history of digital distribution was also through that too because Mm. like a lot of these developers that didn't go down the browser-based way would have made mods for games like for example like quake and doom and and like team fortress and half-life all that sort of thing you know that's a that's Mm. almost like a parallel line to what we're talking about today that then led to digital distribution being the primary means of gaming and so people used the tools that were available to them and the things that were accessible and we'll talk about those in a minute but first of all i just want to take a little step back to where some of this drew inspiration from Mm. like what 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 came before browser-based games and we've talked about them i think a little bit before we've talked about especially multiplayer um like early multiplayer games you had things like i mean going back far enough you had things like bulletin board systems where you would basically phone up another computer um and you would to access data and sort of you know whether it was uh downloading the latest uh wares and 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 like pirated (laughs) software um or whether it was to communicate with um, a a community of some kind but also bulletin board systems did have very sort of early uh games whether it was interactive fiction games because obviously it was text-based or also um early uh muds or multi-user dungeons were on bulletin board systems so you would dial up a bbs and you would log in and you would be able to play your character that was stored on this on this bbs and you would if there were other people dialed into the bbs at the time you could potentially you know play with them in this in this mud and role play and things like that and so that sort of like early internet connection it's not like uh it's not the same as like playing a um a game that has some kind of online multiplayer right so you did obviously have at that time you know the ability to network pcs together or um you know you had things like game spy you know and those sort of like early matchmaking systems and things Mm. like that but those were very kind of like game specific and and part of the games themselves versus things like muds and bulletin board system games which were kind of on top of a the existing kind of delivery mechanism for yeah. what predated effectively it's the just hijacking web. the way in which the web worked anyway to make them work. right right exactly exactly um, i think like maybe the best way most people would know as like a reference point to give you an idea of what we're talking about is like from the like, this is like the 1988 film war games mm-hmm. where they like dial into the computer and play like thermonuclear war right yeah against like a big mainframe thing exactly yes. like it's a similar sort of idea to that really like yeah it's not a game but it's using the system to play a game, yeah, if that makes exactly, sense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so when we then say, okay, well, 
from there, once you started to get the World Wide Web rather than yeah. just bulletin board systems, um, what were the things available to people? Like what kinds of games did people make and, and why? Like there were no game engines or there were fewer game engines. And so people would make games using the tools available to them um the first and most obvious one and we'll talk about these in a bit more detail but just to sort of like set the scene is you had like actual basically websites that were games right like they had like pages and you would log in and you would click on things and there would be images and but ultimately they were just websites right in the same way as as a website even today largely it would be Mm -hmm. very very similar lots of like static you know content and images and, and not a lot of like interactivity or or you know you're not like moving your character around or anything like no, that. You're just it's, sort almost, of it's, it's not really real time. It's almost like a management of, of right. a game. Exactly, exactly. You also had a lot of things that were using Flash and Shockwave. Mm. So Flash is very much dead now, but uh, Flash originally was sort of there to provide a way of doing um, sort of vectorized animation and interactive things within a website, like embedding yep. it into a website and. If you think it's made by Adobe um, and Adobe is known for things like Photoshop and Illustrator, which is like a vector based drawing tool. And Flash was essentially an extension of that. And it it had a fairly rudimentary programming language that was used for sort of scripting up animations. And you could do little bits of logic and, and stuff like that in this in this programming language, which you could then embed in this in this tool in in flash and which was surprisingly versatile like you could do some really cool clever things with that even with relatively basic knowledge Mm -hmm. and then when you had lots of knowledge you could make some really cool stuff yeah and flash was used not only for games but there's also a big intersection with um sort of early just kind of like media right like you had things you had websites like newgrounds and congregate mm. and miniclip and not only did they have games on them but they also had um just sort of like short like cartoon Flash films or yeah. like animation i don't even know what you they're like shorts essentially aren't they or like music vi- you know like music videos that people have made with with cartoons yeah. in them or you know that kind of sort of style of of stuff like i remember there's like the classic like the like stickman fight scenes you know where there's like a hundred stickman all fighting yeah yeah like zhao zhao i think yeah like like choreographed stuff um and actually like a lot of the people that were making those things were really young you know we were at school like secondary school so what we would have been like early teens and some of the people making these things were only a few years older than us oh yeah for sure you know also at school um, like the one that I used the example for as well mm. when making the notes was the Super Flash Bros, mm. who I think like one of them was like two years older than us and one of them was like a year younger than us. Mm. And they had like, they, they had these like short animations up on Newgrounds that had like, you know, millions of views, yeah. uh, you know, and they've gone on to kind of like become kind of almost history, internet history legends. Mm. And yeah, like as a result, because it was so accessible, if you had an idea and you had even a little bit of technical knowledge, you could you could implement it using this, yeah. this website. And the other thing is, is because Flash was available in browsers, it made them very, very accessible. So in mm. the same way that now, if you put your game on Steam, your game is very accessible because it's like on this, you know, hugely popular online shop. If you made a game or a thing in Flash, it was very accessible because anyone could just view it yep. and and download it and play it in their browser. And 
Without most exceptions as well, pretty much every computer could do that. Yeah, and that's a good point because a lot of this stuff that we're talking about is 2D. Um, it's very, very, you know, the artwork is mostly very simple. It's all vector-based, lots of blocks of color. We're not talking, you know, fancy 3D, you know, with ray tracing or anything yeah. like that. But the computer's know. not really even doing anything no. to make it work. It's not like a game where it has to, like, process all of these right. different things. And vector as well like vector animations and drawings uh can be described in 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 like a mathematical way so you can yeah. describe so like if there's a circle on the screen you can be like well here's the x and y coordinate for the circle yeah. and here's how big it is and that information is very small compared to say a frame of a video which obviously yeah. has you know hundreds if not thousands if not millions of pixels of information each one individually is you know three color points right yeah um, so that was really good because we're talking about dial-up days where you yeah. could, so, you know, if you wanted to do a five minute short animation, if that was a actual video, like in the traditional sense, that would be huge and would take yeah. someone, you know, maybe 15 minutes, maybe half an hour, maybe even oh, an yeah. hour to download, but a flash and a vector animation Couple of, minutes, of the same maybe, length most, would take yeah. you know maybe one or two minutes to download and you wouldn't even need to download a real file you could just do it wait it you could just open the browser window no tabs back then and <laughs> like just wait for it to download and then you would be able to watch it or play it or whatever yeah i do distinctly remember like the difference between going on, on new grounds and i'm like you know waiting maybe like 30 seconds to watch a video or uh play a game and then like i distinctly remember waiting to watch the trailer for matrix reloaded right and it was like 60 megabytes yeah and it was like half an hour's yeah. worth of buffering. exactly exactly <laughs> whereas like a 60 megabyte flash game like they just didn't exist you know they no, were only no. a few megabytes it's like yeah. early consoles <laughs> in a way you know limitations on like cartridge sizes it's kind of that but early days internet which yeah just that really forced a lot of you know creativity as well you know by forcing everything to be vector or having to do stuff in flash which was really designed for like animation and and mm. sort of like website interactivity right? yeah like <laughs> clicking on like a button to take you to another website right, or something, right. or like, like it, showing you a picture of a product you might want to and, buy or something and you know it's interesting because that also means that there's like huge swathes of things that weren't really in very many flash games for example you didn't really get that many flash multiplayer games because no. there was no real good networking stack in flash right there was not it just wasn't there so most flash games would be single player games you know or or, or games local co-op games maybe yeah. or like local multiplayer games and they were usually kind of short they'd usually yeah. be quite um sort of like arcade style where you just like pick up and play then that the end of it exactly you know uh, there were some exceptions to that but like for the most part that's how most of the, yeah. the flash games were were treated yeah and in fairness some of these games then went on to become huge successes like for example i think the big one was alien hominid mm, yes, um, yes, yes which yes. was sort of like a really big game back in the day when it first came out and then that proceeded to get a full console release and then they made castle crashes um and yeah like all from a flash-based game into you know a proper game studio and release on the full consoles exactly yeah like these were in no way like there were lots of like really strong examples of games and another one actually which is a little bit later on but if you weren't making games in flash and you weren't making games in just a browser and we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute as well the other choice was java mm. right so java was also weirdly 
available in most browsers like you could just like go on a website and it would like download a java applet and it could like run it without really you having to like install something on your computer um Mm -hmm. it could just sort of run automatically um it would kind of come out of the browser but it was still very much accessible and actually, before we talk about Java, when it's interesting because when we say accessible, the other big part of why these things were popular was because kids would would like uh, play them or, or watch things at school, right? Because yeah, not sure. everyone had the internet at home, not everyone had a, a PC at home, you know. And a lot of kids, your ac- your primary access to the internet was at school. Yeah, um, because like, and this is talking from experience, when you wanted to use the internet, it was a case of either the internet was in use or the phone line was in right, use. Right. And this is before mobile phones were common and, right. and just everywhere. So if you, your family was expecting a phone call, you weren't only on the internet. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it cost, right? It cost like by the minute. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, a lot of people were just accessing the internet mostly at school. Uh, school computers are even back then were locked down you know there was things yep. you could and couldn't do and you definitely couldn't install anything on them um so things that were accessible in the browser yeah and so effectively whether it was flash or it was java you were kind of bypassing the limitations of the you know and the restrictions um to do more than you were supposed to do yeah um, that's probably the th- true for even like adults in a workplace as well as within oh, a school yeah, environment agreed. good too. point good point good point <laughs> um but yeah java is a much more serious language you know in fact if you have an android phone um then a lot of the stuff on your android phone is is written in java um but java was still not a thing designed for games right no. like it didn't have game engines or anything like that so you could get graphics into it and do like 3D graphics, but it was a lot more complex than Flash because it wasn't... Flash gave you, you know, tools for doing things like vector drawings and animations, but Java didn't give you any tools for that kind of thing. So you had to build your own game engines. Famous examples, RuneScape, um, I think I'm pretty certain was originally Java, um, mm. and also Minecraft, right? Which is probably yeah, the, original, the, the yeah. biggest known example. And even today, the bedrock edition or whatever of minecraft i I believe is still java and or some of it is anyway yeah Uh, and (laughs) so it that was when you started to you would get 3d graphics in these kind of browser-based games and it's also questionable whether they're browser-based right because they are like yeah because although they're launching from within the browser they're also then launched within the java application of a thing yeah but i think the most even though they're not necessarily run within the browser they are still easily accessible via Mm. a web browser and there was no really external program required that you or and no extra steps that you needed to take you know you could just simply press the button on the website to play the game and then the game would most likely start playing exactly and that was the sort of the main thing really we're talking about here and what's interesting with both flash and java you didn't really have a lot of multiplayer right flash definitely not because it wasn't easy to do java starting to get easier you see things like runescape but a lot more effort you know, like a lot, like yeah, the barrier to entry so. of like building something in Java and building something 3D is, is so much higher. So the other thing that you saw a huge explosion of was multiplayer games that were purely web-based, yeah. right? And so these were essentially websites, just like websites today, they would be running some kind of server somewhere in a data center and they would code up the back end of the game um, on the server and then just display it to you as a website. Um, Very, very straightforward to build, especially the front end part of it. Um, Obviously, the, the sort of game logic was a bit more complicated, but these would be things that were often 
lots of like strategy games yeah, lots of yeah. games slower things very very slower pace because obviously there's no graphics there's no movement going on so a lot of things where you're sort of like managing um a, a city or a, or, a, yeah, or a space yeah. station or something or like maybe you've got a a ship that you can move but the game would be tick based because yes. a lot of these games were also very passive because they're browser based games they're designed to be played briefly you know sort mm-hmm. of like in your lunch break or whatever like you would sort yeah. of play it for a little bit kind of like predating you know mobile games that have yeah like casual mobile know, games yeah. you know you, that you're you know you play in a queue right this would be an equivalent but you're sat at a computer and you yeah. would sort of spend you know two couple of minutes playing this game and then, and go, then back you go back to, to do whatever, whatever you were, you were doing. doing yeah and i think probably the most like well-known example of this one this type of game was like i'm gonna say neopets mm-hmm. is probably the best well-known mm-hmm. one in the sense that like nothing was like directly interactable it was all just text and and like yeah. basic images like jpegs on a screen yeah and what you click then determined the outcome of yeah. different numbers in the background that then would like represent yeah. your progress of looking after your pets or whatever yeah and neopets was a little bit of a hybrid as well because neopets had mini games and a lot of those would yes, have to be yeah. flash or in fact almost all of them would be flash and you know they did that because neopets was also basically just a massive advertising vessel and so a lot of the mini games were just you know were effectively just ads um but definitely a huge portion of neopets you know thinking about looking at your pets or going or like going to the different shops in the game and things like that they were just websites web pages with images that you would you know that you would click around on to sort of do different things um there's one that we both have very very fond memories of and actually is still running to this day which is cool yeah this is so so cool it's like um, 20 years now yeah and that's called the violet sector and this was a um or tvs a lot of people knew it as tvs and this was a game it was like a competitive team-based um space game where you had four factions and a map and you would have like three you would have a certain number of moves that you could do every three hours Right. Mm. And that's the kind of scale that we were talk- talking here. And so you could do things like move or you could shoot at someone or you yeah. could, you know, repair or something like that. And yeah. you were interacting within one galaxy space um, and you would choose what to do. And then everyone would have three hours to choose something to do. Um, mm. And then the system would sort of resolve all of that at the end of the three hours. Yeah, um, which is why I think it was called a tick, right? Right, exactly. Exactly. The whole game would tick, you would move or whatever would happen, and then you would get to choose again. And there were quite a lot of games like that as well. A lot of sort of like um, like base building games as well, you know, where you could choose to build something or you could choose to, you know, attack someone. And mm. these are actually big precursors to social games and some of the games and and like idle games and games that you know that you see now things like um farmville which we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute or things like forge of empires or even like um the like clash games and stuff like that like like clash of clans and stuff like that on mobile exactly all kind of comes back down to a very similar sort of idea of like very slow paced Mm. interactive but not directly multiplayer games um you know quite a strong sense of social interaction Mm. as 
as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. for example, with the the game we were just talking about, TVS, like you were part of a faction of four factions and there would be like anywhere from tens to hundreds of people like mm-hmm. fighting with you at the same time. Yep. And so communication and, and and social interaction was very important there because you had both a messaging system, yes. but you also had like a, I think initially it was like an IRC channel. Yes. Uh, yes and then yes, that yes. got turned into sort of like a, an in-browser chat room yep. type thing. And, and as a result, like it was very much pushing the social interaction and the cooperation to the forefront, even though you were just staring at a web screen. Mm. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, TVS also had a mobile version, right? They had a WAP version, which is which <laughs> I is love crazy. that fact. Um, I love the fact that like these old, really old mobile phones that like yep. could only do monochrome, you could still manage to Dude, play. It was useful. Game. It was useful. I remember having like a, con- a not, not a contract, but like a pay-as-you-go or something that had like a decent amount of WAP included. Oh my God, my <laughs> TVS game was was raised up. The bar was raised when I could, when I could access it on my phone. A little um, bit of a, uh, a little bit of a tangent for us to just be gratifying from the history of the nostalgia of it, but because certain actions had to be done at certain times, like I think you had to make sure that you'd confirmed a hyperspace jump like 15 minutes before mm. the end of a tick, mm. otherwise you couldn't jump. So like everyone would jump out at the last second, for example, to like, yeah. you know, make sure that people didn't have chance to react to you jumping out. So you'd do that on your phone because like you're in school and you're in class or whatever and you couldn't get to the computers in time. So you're like, oh, get, get, get whap out, you know? Yeah, yeah, Just exactly. Whap, whap out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But like... So thinking about this, especially the tick-based stuff and this sort of passive things, you know, you really start to move to more modern browser-based games. And the real big one, I think, that everyone knows is sort of once once Facebook came along, right? And for mm. and for a while, Facebook really doubled down on social gaming. So things yeah. like Farmville, basically anything from Zynga. Um, and these sort of like, they were still Flash-based and they're still browser-based games, but now you're starting to put a social aspect on it and and mm. basically really what it is and i think there was like a book that everyone read in this industry right <laughs> there was something or they all took the same psychology class or something because basically everyone suddenly worked out how to make these games addictive yes right yeah. and not only make them addictive, but optimize for them to be as addictive as possible. Yeah. So when we talk about things like RuneScape or TVS or Neopets, yes, they were addictive. And yes, there was some intentional design going into that. But they were just supposed to be fun games. Right. And when you then look at things like Farmville, now you're talking borderline malicious feedback yeah. like addictive feedback bit of a skin a box bit of a yeah like on the hook sort of thing on the yeah. treadmill yeah like like they were absolutely designing to bring you in to you know oh share this you know share this with your friends and you'll get yeah, this thing yeah. you know do this to speed up develop you know there was no way of speeding up a tick in tvs right you know no. that, you know pay three dollars or whatever or like share this with your <laughs> friends um that you know but that started to, you started to really get that sort of rise of that. And and they did that along with also using this social element of games yeah. like Habbo Hotel, yeah. Club Penguin, mm-hmm. uh, what some of the other ones, like those sort of like um, very social based kind of games, I guess you'd mm. call like things like Habbo and Club Penguin are the two big ones that I can think of where like the main part, the whole reason you play the game is to interact with other people, right? They were basically yeah. glorified chat rooms. And yeah. They then took that, made more gamey elements from things like the browser-based games, stuck them together with like these feedback loops yep. of 
like very small in-app purchases mm. and then the rise of modern social media games began <laughs> yeah and sadly in a way like that is that like obviously we still have those games now you know things like forge of empires for example or like you know a little bit older but like ebony and stuff like that like <laughs> sadly i always giggle at that's that yeah that's kind of probably the biggest most obvious legacy of some of a lot of the games that we're yeah. talking about here is that sort of like quite trashy um mm. kind of area which i don't maybe i was just younger and so it just didn't notice that it was trashy but i don't <laughs> think it had the they same don't think they were that bad i think the thing the thing is is that when we were playing them so maybe like you know 15 years ago they were being made by people just like us who wanted to play games on a computer, yeah. right? Whereas now they are very much being, ba- being made because they are incredibly cheap to make, yeah. very easy to monetize, and you can just simply advertise. Like all those really cringy, awful ads you see, mm-hmm. like, you know, for the, in the 30 minutes, so in the 30 seconds ad crawl before like your app loads or right. whatever for those like silly things like, you know, 97% of people can't do this. They are advertising things like these sorts of games. Yes. Now, and that's, that's what it's for. Cause it's, it's just a really easy way to make cheap money. I think also like um, there's two other things as well. One is that back then, the way that you could advertise was a lot simpler. You know, you're talking banner ads and, you know, things like that. You're not talking sort of heavily targeted advertising. Yes, um, yeah. You're really only targeting people th- because you know, oh, well, they're playing this game so I can target them with more game-related stuff. Um, but you didn't have really fancy sort of algorithmic targeted advertising. And also the numbers were just way less, right? Like, yeah, like no sure. one played TVS relative to Farmville right (laughs) like it's like it's not the same so i'm sure the people who played made tvs maybe made a little bit of money enough to cover costs from like banner ads down the side um but it was not on the scale of something that is running and social on farmville on on facebook sorry yeah um and a lot of those sort of games now like where they are almost tick based are almost done now on purpose as like a stamina system in like mobile apps. Mm, yes, um, yes, yes. Sort of like where you have to only have a certain amount of actions to come back, you know, in 12 hours or something to be able to do more. And it's very similar background, a very similar sort of feel to it as these tick-based browser mm. games, but now it's done intentionally so that you yeah. can spend that money to kind of like go faster sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that's now moved away. And I, I feel like most of those browser-based games have just sort of been consigned to history now, which is kind of why we want to talk about them really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, there's not really a modern equivalent. Like there's not really games like this that are like still going. Like most, almost all, we tried to find them, right? Like we were, apart from TVS, we were sort of looking back through and being like, trying to find the games that we used mm. to play and mm. they just obviously do not exist anymore like, like we found one where it was like a single screenshot that was like 200 by 150 pixels oh and yeah that was basically i didn't even remember that game until it. you mentioned it um, yeah. a game called fate lords and i was yeah, like what and this no i did like and you just can't find it on this not even no. like you said like one screenshot on the entire of the internet um you know but there are other areas apart from the trashy stuff that this has sort of evolved into not just Mm. the fact that you know the people who were making stuff on on new grounds you know ended up being the people that made games like snipper clips for example um, which is sort of a you know an example of that journey but also i think now the tech the technology available in browsers means that you can do much more complicated browser-based games you know with with javascript and html5 and you know and there are lots of sort of you now get a lot of like anonymous 
browser-based games, you know, mm-hmm. sort of party games and things like that. Um, things yeah. like, like you mentioned, right, like Agar.io and Snack.io. Yeah. Like now it's like the fact that it's in the browser isn't really a not, like it's just, it doesn't feel like a novelty or it doesn't feel like a specific thing because it's just like, well, of course you can put a game yeah. in the browser if you want to. Like <laughs> It's now like, it used to be the games in the browser were because it was really easy, whereas now it's like, that's just because that's the most convenient. Now. Exactly, exactly. Um, because the power isn't the problem anymore. There's no limitation, really. Exactly, exactly. And I think like, when you think about things like Newgrounds and Congregate, those sort of a mini clip, you know, those sort of sites with kind of like, almost experimental games and stuff like that. I think about things like um, itch.io, right? Which mm-hmm. is very much um, a sort of, you know, spiritual successor to that. So yeah, definitely. there's definitely, you know, a lot of good uh, things that have come out of this world. Um, but it's really, really interesting to just think about all of those things going back and like the legacy that they have. But but by and large, they lar- they don't exist anymore. You know, I think the only real example of like browser-based games that still are very just simply browser based now are like the unfolding passive games like mm. you use cookie clicker as the main cookie example. clicker is my yeah, yeah it's probably the, the the closest example yeah and because they are just text-based uh maybe there's like some ascii art um mm. you know and but they're still incredibly addictive and really fun to play and interesting despite being powered by something that you could probably power a calculator with right yeah. <laughs> you know um and and it just shows that just because it's really old, it doesn't mean that it's not fun to play. It just yeah. needs to be modern, modernly accessible, if, yeah. that, if that makes exactly. sense. I definitely, like when we were doing the research for this and we were looking back and we were trying to find like yeah. <laughs> games that we used to play. And honestly, like I was like, I can't remember. I can like, if I, if I close my eyes and scrunch up my eyes, I can kind of see some screenshots of games that I have no You can see the layout of. of all of those websites, right? Yeah. Cause they all had a very similar style layout website because they were all probably based on the same basic templates. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, like there were so many, right? There were, there were hundreds, if not thousands of these games. Dime a dozen. Yeah. And I would love to hear from listeners who maybe they play remember some of these games you know and this is kind of bringing back memories because chances are you know there are games that maybe actually we played as well or games that you played that we didn't um you might be able to jog our memory um yes there's gonna be a few i would really love to remember some of these um and yeah so please get in touch if this has kind of like sparked off those memories of of games that you played um when you were when you were younger those browser-based games and things on new grounds that you really liked and, and stuff like that yeah definitely get in touch you can email us show at octal.fm or you can tweet us and tell us about the games you used to play at OctalFM on Twitter or Facebook, which feels kind of weird. Uh, yeah, Facebook.com. <laughs> Send us a Farmville mail. <laughs> oh, don't. <laughs> Facebook.com. Forward, Farmville's gone now, hasn't it? Facebook.com um, forward slash OctalFM. Yeah, that was a really cool trip down memory lane. Mm. But I also, I think it's really interesting how the history of this is still informing modern gaming. Mm, absolutely. Um, maybe it would be worth doing a, a another episode tying along the lines of like the mod scene for th- mm. things like, say, Quake and Half-Life and stuff like that alongside. Um, I also wonder if there's a revival to be had here. You know, like, is there space for these games again, non-trashy, tick-based 
you know, fun, sort of slightly team, you know, mm. collaborative games. I don't know. Maybe there isn't. Maybe people's expectations I think, are too high. I think there probably is. And it would have to be with involved in social media mm. because I think it's just a natural fit. And unfortunately, most social media accounts are now just going to be like swamped with like ones that are there specifically to make you spend money. Yeah, that's that's so, what's missing, isn't it? You know, like a Facebook game that's actually good. You know, yeah, it's just there to <laughs> so you can have fun with it. And it's not there designed simply to make you spend five pounds so that you can proceed to like, you know, unlock the next level exactly. or something. Exactly. Um, but I mean. Yeah, maybe there are some we just don't know. So again, you can message us, tell us about those games too. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we'll be a little bit too cynical about things like Facebook games and yeah, stuff like maybe, that. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it's been a really fun episode and I think that there is a lot of history there and I think it's something that's worth talking about. Mm. And you can also, like I say, infer some really cool uh, insight into the way maybe games are going to go from mm. some of this history too. Absolutely. Like we didn't even talk about things like uh, Line Rider. Mm. Uh, we didn't talk yeah. about... So that still exists. We barely spoke about RuneScape, you know, considering mm. how important RuneScape is to so many people. Like that is, was very yeah. much their first MMO, <laughs> you know. Um, and we've even done a whole episode on M- on MMOs as well. Yeah. Um, and yet we barely spoke about it. There's so much history there. It's so fascinating. Mm. Like, yeah, get in touch. Let us know what you think about the history of web-based games. Absolutely. Um, and until we talk about them again in some form or another, I've been Gelada. And I've been Sefran. And catch us again for another episode of Octal FM very soon. slowly getting more and more parody like with my with my outro (laughs) that's all it is is because you're now conscious of what tony says i've always been tony yeah (laughs) i'm still tony after the episode catch us again for another (laughs) episode of octal fm honestly quite at this point most people have either skipped past it stopped listening you know don't care or they've switched off and they don't really even notice it's going on anymore Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, listeners, um, if you are still listening to the end of the episode to listen to the outtakes, this is going to be there as well. And we do appreciate the people that do listen to it at the end as well. There's no special bonus, just feel special about yourself. Yeah, just feel good. Feel good for always listening to the outro. It isn't to make our runtime slightly longer and seem more impressive. Yeah.